Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films that you can stream on various services. And up until now, it's always been Netflix, but it's a very exciting episode because we are branching out and recovering something that was on Amazon Prime. Dare I say we watched through the dark zone and now we watch our movies on <laughs> Amazon oh Prime in this reality. Oh my god, you're right. What color is your glow stick? <laughs> what color is your glow stick? <laughs> I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me, you can already hear her voice, is the real Mars. Or Mars is Prime. it? Mars Prime! <laughs> I actually was going to call you Mars Prime, but then they didn't say it in the movie. So I was no. like... <sighs> I only know because I looked at the first time I watched this movie, I looked it up online because I wanted to see if anybody had tracked the movements from houses and who got where and whatever. Mm. And they called the first set like Emily Prime and Mike Prime. And I was like, well, that makes sense because at some point you can't just be like, but the other Mike. It's got to be like Emily Ping Pong, Mike Napkin. And then someone oh else oven me. <laughs> I tried. I tried to figure it out. I tried to track them, but I was using like acronyms based on glow stick color, box item, <laughs> and what kind of band aid, and whether or not Hugh's phone was broken. Oh my God. So when I got to the end, I was like, you know, R G H B C B Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Especially since there's two blue glow stick mics. Well, I mean, technically there's a, like infinite number of Yeah, but we meet two mics. of them, so I couldn't even be like blue glow stick mic, because there's two of them, so then I had to be like blue glow stick mic, blue glow stick mic two. So this is probably a good point in the podcast to uh, go over our spoiler policy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you haven't caught on at this point... <laughs> We didn't even get to a warm-up question. I just we went really didn't. Into... We really, yeah. This is this already shaping up to be a very special episode of the Stream Queens podcast. <laughs> so if you haven't realized, I'm going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for the not very big warning. But if you went into this without watching this movie, it probably wasn't going to make sense to you anyway. So that's true. But God, this is not a movie you want to spoil. No. So if we haven't already spoiled it for you and you haven't already watched it, stop. And Come if for back. some reason this is the first episode of the show you're listening to and you don't realize that we're going to spoil it immediately. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I'd be so pissed if I was on the other end of this and this movie got spoiled. So I do feel a little guilty, but well, I don't know. Maybe you'll maybe you'll have better luck in another reality. Um <laughs> another version of this podcast where we never spoil <laughs> there's another version of this podcast where it's like historic novels <laughs> hmm, spinoff idea hmm. <laughs> so last time we talked about your injury right you had oh, the, yeah. the 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 fluid the magic situation. exploding hand trick. So this time it's my turn to have a weird body oddity. Oh no. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got a bruise in the shape of the Thundercat symbol. No! <laughs> what? Yes, yeah, so I've been joking that I like I hope it means that I'm secretly Chitara, but I'm pretty sure I'm actually Snarf. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to send it to you and then I'm going to include it in the show notes because you, you you don't get to be the only one with the weird body shit. Like I get, everybody gets a little bit of it, right? Okay. That's... So I'm going to send this to you. I hope that was sent to you. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see it? 
Hang on, I'm trying to open it. My I've been calling it Thunder Bruise. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Something is trying to send you a message. Right? Exactly. That Mumra is coming. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It's, it's even t- like you can see where the ear is at the top of the eye. That's right? amazing. It's a total Thundercat bruise. I'm very proud of it. It's fading and it's making me sad. I'm like, no, don't go, little friend. Well, I mean, when you come to Portland, we can get you a Thundercat bruise tattoo. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> and then people will be like, what is that? And you can say, well, it's not the Thundercat symbol, but it is a tattoo of a bruise I had once that was shaped like the Thundercat symbol, and then everybody can question your sanity. They'll be like, dang, she's a badass. She's either really deep or <laughs> off her medication. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column A. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. All right, so I have a warm-up question for okay. you. And I forgot what it was. Oh, okay. All right, so this movie we're going to talk about tonight is a little movie called Coherence that you selected. And without getting to the synopsis, because that's your jam, it takes place at a dinner party. And so I was wondering, <laughs> what's the... And it doesn't go very well with <laughs> these people. So that's... I, I, spoilers, you know. But um, what's the worst, like, dinner party you've ever been to? Oh, man. I... And you can branch out. It could be like a gathering of some Yeah, because I've not been to that many dinner parties... I have been, I did go to a party once. I'm hesitant because I am afraid that the people involved <laughs> might listen to this. Anyway, in summation, I was promised pizza and I showed up and it was vegan sushi. Oh, great. So Plot I didn't twist. eat before I went. It was supposed to be pizza. I was told there was going to be pizza, but by the time anybody questioned it, it I was... I feel like someone really tricked you. Like, it was always going to be vegan sushi, but they know that where goes pizza, there go- there goes Mars. Well, and, like, if... I mean, vegan sushi is not even, like... It's the sushi that's just wrapped around cucumber. Right. So it's just rice and cucumber, and then, like, a... And then it was, like, a veggie platter or something. It's like... Yeah. Rice. That's really disappointing. I'm it's very sorry. It's basically just... Air and water is all really those things are. Mm, rough. Rough stuff. Um, the f- I'm trying to think of the worst party I ever went to. I went to a lot of really shitty parties. But the always, to me, the saddest ones are the ones where nobody shows up. And I remember I went to this New Year's Eve party on... In 1999, rolling over to 2000. Ooh, the big one. Yes. And this person has, like... It was, like, out in the in the country. And they had, like all these lights put up and like built like a barn sort of thing for the party and like 11 o'clock rolled around and literally nobody was there oh no and we were like fuck and so we bounced <laughs> this is so sad there was nothing we didn't know anything was going on we were all dressed up we ended up at midnight bowl <laughs> ringing in 2000 the year 2000 that's oh, how we parted no. like it was 1999 it was very grim i was afraid of y2k it was it was a bad night You know, I didn't even think about, I just went parties and food, but I had a birthday that no one showed up to. (laughs) I guess I should have gone with literally any of my birthday parties. Oh, no. I had a birthday party. So I was in a a chain of like, I just don't want to do anything or like, I want to drink whiskey at home and watch my favorite movies with my roommate or whoever, you know, like, I don't want to do anything big. 
And then, like, the first time I was like, yeah, let's actually have... Because my roommate at the time was really big on, like, oh, big parties, big parties. And I finally was like, yeah, okay, fine, let's do something this year. And my birthday is almost to the day six months before Halloween. Because I'm April 29th. And so we decided to do, like, a half Halloween party. And so we told everyone, like, six weeks in advance. Like, this is the weekend. It's a costume party. Wear a costume. Whatever, you know. Like, a week before the party, all of my friends decided to schedule a shoot for that same weekend. And it was out of town. Like, a video oh, shoot. Oh, no! So the Damn only people, film school! The only people who showed up to my birthday party were, like, third ring friends. You know, like, friends that are friends mm. of friends. That you kind of have, like, you've been at a bar with them before. They're and really was, there to just up the numbers. Yeah, they were the people who, like, just didn't get the memo that no one was going. And so they show up, and it was, like, <laughs> awkwardly, myself, my roommate, three people that we didn't know, just, like, sitting in, you know, in, in on costumes. TV. costumes? Yeah, in costumes, just sitting in a room, just, like, slowly sipping PBR and being, like, so how was your day today? Oh, no! And then what? a friend of mine, like an actual like person I knew, showed up, and I was like, "Oh my god, you came!" And she was like, "Oh yeah, no." Um, Katie actually just texted me and asked me if I could come pick her up for some reason, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And Katie was like, "Yeah, I also told you not to say anything when you got here," and I was like, "Cool." And I had been dumped over text message the day before. Oh, <laughs> and so it ended with me drinking an entire fifth of Jack Daniels to myself on my kitchen floor and then crying. And that's when my neighbors got off work and they had been told this whole time. They were both worked at bars, so they didn't get off work until, you know, 2.30. And so they'd been told, like, oh, we're going to have this giant party. You should come over when you're done with work. So it's me and my roommate on my kitchen floor sobbing. I've had an entire fifth of whiskey to myself. My neighbors burst in and they're like, happy birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like. And then I passed out and I had to be carried upstairs. Okay, I don't want to pour salt in the wound, but what were you dressed as? <laughs> um, I was dressed, I think I just went, like, 90s. Because I was wearing, like, combat boots okay. and, like, a denim skirt and, like, a oversized plaid shirt. Okay, so now just... that makes it less sad. Like, I was picturing you in, like, a full-on princess dress drag on your <laughs> <laughs> So that definitely makes it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of horrifying things, should we dig into our review of Coherence? Yes. All right. Very excited. All right. So you picked this film. Tell me how and why it came to be. Um, I picked it because it was on one of my many streaming queues that I just rotate through. So I kind of watched right. it just because it came up. But then I liked it so much that I wanted to do it for the show because I wanted to talk to you about it and I wanted to talk about it. Yes. And then I've I've now watched it like four times. Oh! <laughs> did uh, did it bump? What was the one you were watching over and over again? Um, Baywatch? Did it bump oh, Baywatch? Yeah, I haven't watched Baywatch in weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I know. Jumping from one drug to another, really. Right? Yeah, I feel like you definitely like went up the uh, intensity scale. This is this is a little more intense than Baywatch, I think. It's just a lot of things that I like. It's more. Yeah. There are more things about this movie that I like than there are about Baywatch. Like in Baywatch, I like Zac Efron and I like The Rock, and I like the girl with the crazy eyes. But in this movie, I like you know 
the weird meteor occurrences. Yeah. The idea of the roulette, the puzzling. And I yes. love, like I said last time, one of my favorite horror genres is the dinner party that goes awry. Yes. Yeah, and this one definitely does in ways that you are not expecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is the description itself doesn't even really give that much as to what goes wrong. You just know that something goes wrong. Otherwise, why would this be a movie? I'm not going to just watch a movie about six friends who get together and have a successful dinner party. But it doesn't, you know. <laughs> it was it, the greatest dinner party of all time. It was a lovely. Were warm. It was a pretty lovely evening. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't even really give you any idea as to what's going on. Oh, this is the story I wanted to tell you. Sorry, it just came to me. But this is connecting uh, the ritual with coherence because since the ritual, there was um, an evening in August that was the peak of the, and I don't know how to say this word correctly, Perseid? Perseid, yeah. uh Perseid meteor shower. And it coincided with a new moon. So it was like ideal because there was no moonlight to compete and right. so they're saying, if it's clear night, you should definitely watch. And it was happening at, like, it was peaking at, like, 11 p.m., right? Oh, Usually they yeah. peak at, like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not getting my happy ass out of bed to go stare at the sky at 4 in the morning. But at 11, I'm already awake anyway, so, like, I'll watch that. Uh-huh. So I, at, at about 11.30, I go out to my backyard. I'm like, I'm just going to see. I don't know if it's actually clear enough to see anything. But, you know, I live on the edge of the woods. I live on the edge of the town, so I don't have a lot of ambient light to compete with meteor showers. Nice. And I've, I've watched meteor showers from my house before. I took not even one full step out of my door before I imagined the the Jotun galloping oh, no! out of the trees. I was like, oh, no, fuck all this. <laughs> I'll see you next year, Perseid meteor shower. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. That movie is fucking scary. Because it was like, I came out, and the way my back door faces, it faces this giant old oak tree, and then it's just bushes around the bottom and stuff. And so all I, I just come out to see this gigantic old ancient tree and was like, mmm, you're full of spirits and monsters. I'll just be inside. It's not that important. I just wanted to see. Next year, see bye. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not like it was like Haley's Comet or something. Like, this is one that happens every year. Like, I'll... See you next August. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I, I always forget, like, that you're just in the woods. As someone who doesn't like being in the woods at night, it's kind of amazing that you literally live in the woods. Like, that it hasn't desensitized you to it at all. No, it actually, it's made it worse. Because oh. I used to be more okay with it. There was one night where I was outside before I started being like, okay, this is, I'm just done being outside in the dark. And I was walking by a bush, and all of a sudden this really high, like, almost, like, static sound. Like, I have a really hard what? time describing the sound. What? But it was, like, a static sound, almost. And so I stopped, right? Because it scared me. And it stopped. And I was like, well, that's not great. Like, if you hear a weird sound, you want it to keep going, even if you stop. Because otherwise, it stopping means it's something that can be aware of you. Yeah. And so mm. I took a step closer to the bush, and it happened again. I took a step away, and it stopped. And at that point, I was like, it's fucking gremlins, obviously. And, like, ah! ran into the house. <laughs> it wasn't until later I realized it was probably a bat. Oh. But... At the time, in no, the darkness, scary. it wasn't like a squeaking, it wasn't like sounds that I'm used to hearing from animals. It was very like, like, I don't know if you, not everybody can hear these tones, but can you like kind of hear it when, <clears throat> excuse me, when a TV's on, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like that, but also a little crackly, like Like a static. whine, almost like a whine. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there was like a little bit of a pattern to it, like static, but it was mostly that almost like, so it wasn't even like, it was hard for me to even comprehend that it was a sound. It felt more like, you know, a thing that was happening to me. So all I could think was like aliens, you know? What is it? What is it? Like infrasound or infra? You know what I'm talking about? uh, Yeah, I'm blanking on the word too but ultrasonic something okay just like it's it's like something that's like the frequency is below what normal human hearing picks up but you still like you still hear it so like it can mess with you yeah but you can't hear it hear it so it was like i was trying to so it was just a weird me trying to figure out what's happening they call it the fear frequency oh god well jesus So there's that. You're welcome. So anyway, that's the last time I went outside in the dark, and that was a year and a half ago. Okay. Other than, like, if there's, like, streetlights or, you know, the house lights. I, it, but that was the last time I went out, like, into the yard to, like, I'm going to look at the stars. And then a bush started rattling my actual brain. And I was like, well, I'm done with the outside <laughs> forever now. I mean, it could very well have been a gray. You never know. Because that's that was what came to mind as I was like, right. well, this is obviously aliens because this is the kind of thing people talk about where they're like, it wasn't a sound, but it was in my head. I'm like, it's definitely not a sound. It's definitely in my head. So, uh, real talk. Do you believe in aliens or no? Uh, yes and no. I believe it's like just crazy to believe that we're the only planet right. with life forms. I think that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. As to whether or not they come here and do things to people, I don't know if I believe that, but right. I, I do know, kind man. of believe that we're their sim game, though, and that they are right? watching and just, you know. Why don't you synopsize this movie for us? So this movie uh, is about, like we mentioned, a dinner party that goes awry. Uh, about It's six friends who get together, and they happen to be getting together for a dinner party during the... I have remembered every character's name this time, but I can't remember the Comet's name now. The Miller's Comet? Miller's Comet. The Miller's Comet. So it starts out with... Emily, or as we shall have to at some point start referring to her as Emily Prime, on the phone with Kevin, her boyfriend. And they're talking about just mundane, everyday stuff. Um, He mentions that he wants to talk to her about something important, and she's kind of like, is now a good time, really? Like, I'm trying to park at the house. Are you almost here? And her phone breaks just in her hand. She didn't drop it. Which is super creepy. Yeah, right? And also, I don't know why this is, because I've broken a glass screen phone before, Mm -hmm. and I don't... Every time I see someone else do this, I'm like, why would you do that? But I've done it, where your phone breaks and then you touch it. You're like, that's just glass shards. Why are you sticking your finger on that? Yeah, totally. But I've I've done it. Every time I've broken a glass screen, I, like, touch it. Like, oh, as if touching it is going to be like, oh, yeah, it is for sure broken. Yeah, Yeah, why is that? Why do you... I did the same thing. I immediately started touching it and, like, feeling the edge of it. Right? Why do we do that? And then I've gotten... Are my eyes lying? Nope. Nope, I'm bleeding. It's true. It's true. Exactly. I've gotten little glass shard in my finger before from doing that. And I looked at it like... Well, I can't be surprised. <laughs> you know, I just grabbed broken glass and was like, oh, and it cut me? Weird. <laughs> Who right. would have thought that glass was what capable of What is this science that? fiction? Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should call NASA because this is new science. <laughs> glass cut me. I know. Uh, anyway, so she, her phone just breaks. She goes into the house. She meets everybody, says hello to everybody. Um, one of the things we've talked about before is when we're really appreciative of 
the way people interact like they actually are a real group of friends Mm -hmm. and i thought this was a really good example of that because it's kind of multiple conversations just going on at once and it's all that kind of like layered dialogue Yeah, yeah and that stuff that people actually do Talk about, like, oh, how have you been? But also, like, the teasing, like, oh, why do you look so good in leather? I can never pull off leather. And, like, yeah. oh, that's a cute vase, you know, things like that that make it a lo- really realistic. Um, you know, and I really like Nicholas Brennan, but I think it's because I just like Xander because I did not like Mike. I mean, I, that's so – I'm glad that I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I have in my notes here, like, Mike – should be way more irritating than he actually is like he's exactly the person you do not want to be in this situation with but like nicholas the nicholas brendan of it all he's so charming to me and he's like forever xander that i couldn't help but identify with him i also feel like he's the character that gets the like aside from emily gets the most sort of to do in this movie so mm-hmm. you know i was kind yeah. of on board with him but yeah I, i'm the same way like he is terrible, and yet he is also Xander. So. Yeah, and yet, yeah, exactly. At the same time, you're kind of like, you know, when he says something that's not the best choice at the time, you're just kind of like, oh, wrong choice, mm. man. Instead of like, this guy's a dumbass. You're just like, oh, poor choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the characters that show up, it's three couples. And now that I've bragged that I remember all their names, let's find out. It's Mike and Lee, whose house, they are, they are the hosts yes. of the dinner party uh emily and kevin emily being the main character and kevin her boyfriend hugh and beth it's four couples not three it's four couples i knew you'd get there yeah uh hugh and beth who i kept trying to call carol because she reminds me of carol from walking dead yes i totally see that Mm -hmm. um visually not so much personality wise no no i mean visually no no never no yeah okay (laughs) yeah and then um amir and Lori. Right? Lori, not Lauren. Lori. And Lori is Kevin's ex. So there's already this, like, it starts out with a little bit of this drama of, like, really? Amir thought it was appropriate to bring her here. Right. And then once she's there and interacting, you can tell that, especially kind of the ladies aren't very, like, we don't know why you're here. Like, right. Like, they're being polite, but yeah, like, it's, you can tell the girls are sort of like Team Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and as the movie progresses and goes on, it does kind of come to a head where there's a little bit of snap being directed at Lori because she's the one who's not a part of this friend group, you know. And she's she's the also one got ulterior motives. Yeah. She's also she's not super shady. <laughs> yeah. Um and even the way that was handled, I thought was kind of, you know, realistic where instead of just all out being rude, they're just kind of like, "You know what? You have been on me all night," you know, yeah. just kind of the way <laughs> people actually would it was very realistic, I thought, the, in just in general, the way people interacted with each other throughout the movie. Um, anyway, so they sit down to dinner, and they're talking about the Miller's Comet. This was the one part of the movie that I thought was, like, a little, oh, okay, I'm watching a movie. Because they spent so much time yeah. talking about, like, oh, but do you, what history do you know of the Comet? And it's one of those conversations where I feel like in real life you have... Only if someone's like, oh, there's a comet. Oh, my God, I heard this weird story. And then you tell the story and you move on. But this was very like, okay, who else has a story about the comet? (laughs) Does anyone have any books on the comet? (laughs) Oh, you do? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you need this information. Yeah. Like, everything else up until this point, like, 
what's interesting about that banter at that early part is like so much of it is seeding things that will matter later but they feel extremely inconsequential mm-hmm. they feel like small talk but they actually become clues yeah like, yeah the vase thing the vase thing there's also like the things that they talk about like the actual topics they talk about are really important like um like lori being i mean like they kind of touch on themes that that come up throughout the rest of the runtime of the movie as mm-hmm. well um so yeah <clears throat> sorry i don't remember where i was going with this but oh yeah so the point is like because that feels so like naturalistic when they get into the scene where she's like well first there was this comet in finland and this is important so pay attention and then there's the toast yeah and you're just kind of like oh, okay yeah it's kind of it makes you stop feeling like i'm watching a dinner pr- or i'm watching people have a dinner party you're like oh that's right i'm watching a, a plot movie Mm-hmm. Um, which I looked up. What is it, Tuskegee? Tuskegee? Mm-hmm. How do you say it? Tuskegee. Tuskegee event. Yes. Um, did you look it up? I, I knew what it was because my partner is who they are. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's really crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't do like a whole lot of research on it, but I just wanted to know if it was real or if it was made up. But it was like, isn't the Miller's Comet is made up for this movie, yes. right? I also looked that up too because I was like, is that shit real? Because the Tuskegee is, so it kind of lends some reality to it. Yeah. But yeah. Hey y'all. Just cutting in here because as I'm going back through and editing this podcast, I realized that I repeatedly call it the Tuskegee event, but it's actually the Tunguska event. So before you write me a bunch of letters just know that every time I say it wrong, I'm cringing along with you. Okay, back to your regularly uh, scheduled program here. One of, but the Tuskegee is legit. There was one, it must have been the Miller's Comet then, that someone made a Wikipedia page for, yes. and then it disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like, some... what reality are we in? I mean, now we're getting into the whole Berenstein, Berenstein Bears That thing. was all my thoughts. Oh, I had another, I know this is totally off topic. I had another Mandela effect moment you did. this week. What happened? Yeah. So growing up, you know me, I always talk about how I ate a lot of hot dogs and stuff. And I was into like the foods that like aren't necessarily healthy, but I was really into fish sticks, like really into fish sticks. And I right. still kind of am like, I'm willing, I mean, I am, I'm an adult. So I like to pretend like, Oh, it's just every once in a They're while, good. <laughs> but I really like fish sticks. So I went, I bought these fish sticks. They weren't the sticks though. They were like the breaded fillets. So they're a mm-hmm. little bigger. And I was cooking them at the right time for the or at the right temperature for the right amount of time, and they weren't. They seemed a little like you know gushy on the inside. So I was trying to figure out if they were fully cooked before they were frozen, and if this was just okay, or if I was eating sort of raw fish. You right. know, like I was just trying to do again. The bag itself didn't say you know cooked before frozen or whatever. So I go online and I'm searching, and it's the the the. See, I don't even want to say the name now. The Gordons brand, yes. the guy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. If you're yeah, in the yellow slicker. So I go those. online and I search Gordons fish fillets, and it goes, "Did you mean Gortons with a T?" And I was like, "No, no, I meant with a D. It's Gordons. It's Gordons fish sticks." So I run downstairs to my freezer. Fucking bag has a T in the name. Whoa! And I grew up with those. It was. It's always been Gordons. It's always been Gordons with a D. I thought it was Gordons as well. And now it's a T. And it's not like, this isn't like the Oscar Mayer one. Have you heard that one where people are like, oh, it's M-E-Y-E-R. And some people think it's M-A-Y-E-R. And in that one. It's M-E-Y-E-R, right? Yeah. That's what I, that's the reality I live in. Which reality are we in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And some people are like, no, it used to be A. 
and you know it's one that's another they another one that they try to call a Mandela effect but that one I feel like might just be you know shifting memories or whatever but I am very much convinced that it used to be a D but now it's a T and apparently it's always been a T that's wild yeah oh Mandela and I mean so Mandela effect stuff has been on my mind since watching this movie because I'm kind of like I I have passed through the roulette at least three times, at least, that I know of. I have three houses removed from the one I started in. Oh, my God. I think, yeah, it's a glitch in the, like, alien simulator. That's what's happening here. Yeah, so they're talking about the comets. Um, Oh, before this, uh, they're kind of doing the, like, so what have you been up to, Lori? And Mike keeps kind of pretending to forget her name and what she does and stuff although maybe he really does forget i don't know but um anyway we're let we're it's revealed that emily is a dancer who at one point was choreographing a ballet and then was asked to not star in her own ballet but be the understudy to a much more prestigious dancer and she turned it down because she didn't want to be the understudy to her own ballet but then what happens is the star performer drops out last minute, so the, the understudy who took that position ended up starring, and now she's famous. And Lori makes a comment where she says, oh, so she has your life then. Right. Which, before things start happening, you're just like, well, that's kind of rude. <laughs> like, Well, Lori is kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's something that, like, I feel like I could say to you or you could say to me because we're friends and we know each other yeah. well enough to be like, oh, there's a joke in there, you know, but you don't say something like that to someone you don't know very well, especially someone who's currently dating your ex-boyfriend or possibly yeah. you. I don't know. I'm assuming Lori came first and then Emily, but I don't. Yeah, I think so, too. And and the thing is, is she's kind of nasty because she kind of goes around the table and because she also says some stuff up to Mike about him not. Like, not recognizing him from the oh, show yeah. that he starred in. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess they're sort of reinforcing these ideas of, like, different lives and different identities and stuff that is definitely going to matter in a little bit. But uh, she's also an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like she lacks a level of, either she lacks a level of awareness to be like, you shouldn't talk to people you don't know very well who have invited you to this, well, not even invited, who, because they make, some, Lee makes a comment where she's like, yeah, I didn't. Amir just told me he was bringing someone. Right. Which is I mean, just... I feel like she's doing it intentionally, though. Don't you? I kind of... I did, too. Yeah. I did, too. But I wasn't sure if it was just because I wanted to be mad at Lori or if it was No, actually... I think she was doing that, like, nasty, nice, passive-aggressive thing. And, like, in the moment, you're like, what is she doing? Is she just rude? But then you, like, see her ulterior motives. that She's, like, undermining these people from the beginning. And, uh, yeah. So yeah. I think I think she is that nasty. I mean... Yeah whatever that's my interpretation uh so what happens next is that hugh's phone just breaks randomly and emily's like oh my god that happened to me and then hugh gets on like a mission of oh i need to talk to my brother because his brother is a physicist physicist yeah and you know he's like oh no it's nothing to worry about i just he told me if anything weird happened that i should stay inside and give him a call but the internet doesn't work and the phone lines are down and everything and then the power goes out. If I'm skipping things, you should tell me because you know yeah. how I always kind of try to get to the better parts than the setup. <laughs> no, actually, this is a perfect place. I was just thinking, like, this was probably where I wrote my first note while I was watching this. And it's just how how terrifying it is when technology fails. Like, how dependent we've come become on technology that the mm-hmm. minute that the technology 
fails, you feel a vulnerability that you didn't before. And yeah. like it just by having the lights go out and having them not able to access the internet or use their phones, like it sets the stage with this paranoia that takes over immediately the minute those lights go out. Like yeah. nothing bad happens. The lights go out and there are no lights on the street. So like the power is out and immediately the stakes have changed um not because anything there's any reason to be afraid at this point like nothing has ha no outside things have happened yet but just the mere fact of the lack of technology and they're already freaking out yeah well even before the lights go out when they just find out the internet doesn't work and no one has service you can sense a panic starting to rise in people yeah. anyway and i don't know if it's the way they shot it like if there's more movement in the like more camera movement to make mm -hmm. you feel more anxiety but you even before that power goes out you start and like and like you said nothing had happened like there's no reason to be like no oh, it's not like you need to call 911 or something it's just everybody realizes oh i don't have service either and all of a sudden people are wait let me check the internet do you have a landline do you what do you do you have a generate you know and it's like and it's amazing yeah. how you can have that level of paranoia in your own home yeah like, they're not even in the woods. They're in, like, a house in a suburb, in, a, like, a seemingly upper-middle-class suburb where they in, should like, feel In, like, San safe. Jose or something, right? right? And, yes. I mean, this all takes place in the barrio, which I had forgotten. So I was like, <gasps> I recognize, <laughs> and I recognize, like, all of these people. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> these are people that I am very, like, archetypes that I'm very familiar with, having grown up in the barrio myself. Like, the, like, kind of hippy-dippy lady that's, like, you Married know, to a starting... lawyer. <laughs> Yes, and starting to like explore alternative medicine and like oh my a god, bit and of the drugs. door in nowhere, and yes. her being like very like no, you guys, you guys, I am like I'm a I'm an empath, and it's just like I don't even want to be over here. I don't yes. even want to be near. And like yeah, I know me too. And like, I, that I'm is a... the person that's hella nasty to you in the parking lot at Trader Joe's. Like I yes. know that woman. <laughs> and it's like have a nice day, coexist. You know. Like, right. <laughs> and I love that it wasn't. A couple of hippies. I love that it was like one hippie lady right. married to a lawyer. You know, because right. that's what you that's see in the Bay so Area, right? <laughs> yeah, like, somebody who's rich and privileged enough to be a hippie. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like and then, all the sort of like artistic upper middle class white people. Like I definitely know all those people. Yeah, and again, I'm not from the Bay Area, but I lived there for several years, and you yeah, I, contact. <laughs> I I definitely. They were very realistically written characters. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Or at least realistically, like, performed characters. You know, whatever it is. They were definitely people. It wasn't like, oh, well, that's the dumb girl, and that's the nerdy girl, and that's the virgin boy, and that's the mean guy who likes to pee on people when they're sleeping, and, like, you know, whatever. Like, it wasn't like those arch those kinds of archetypes. It was very, right. like, Bay Area-specific archetypes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, have you read anything about the making of this movie or how it was done? No. Okay, so... I won't go too deep into it now, but I think it kind of is interesting in terms of what we're talking about right now. So this movie was made for $50,000 over the course of five day, five nights. Whoa, seriously? Yes. And the it was almost entirely improvised, which is why we have that really wow. great pitter-patter sort of dialogue. The actors did not know any of each other till they showed up that night. And basically, they also were not given scripts. They were just given cards with information for what they were shooting that night. Like, these are, these are plot points that you need to do. Oh, my and, God. Yes. And so the actor um, who plays Amir, Alex uh, Manukian, I'm sure I'm butchering that. Um, he actually is one of the people who 
like co-wrote the story with the director James Ward Barrett. Wow. Okay. So he was kind of like helping to guide some of the improvisation, but he like they basically he's the only one in the room at that point other than the director obviously that actually knew the full story of what they were doing. And so the way the movie was cast was that the director just kind of thought of people that he knew that he could tr- that would trust him enough to like come to his house and just do whatever like you know go there sort of sight unseen for this part um and he like selected people that would trust him but also seemed like they would be friends so even though these people didn't know each other he was like selecting particular types that fit into these that slotted into these roles in these sort of like very bay area archetypes oh my god is he god i know right and this is (laughs) this is his first feature film Oh my god, are you serious? Yes, before this he did mostly storyboarding for, like, Gore Bravinsky on the Pirates movies, and also on um, Rango, that Johnny Depp cartoon. Yeah, Gecko movie. Yes, and so this is Or Chameleon, whatever. Yeah, so this is his first feature film. That's, okay, so I already really love this movie. Yes. And I, I mean, as... As proven by the fact that I've watched it at least once every six to seven days for the last, like, month and a half or something. Um, But that makes it so much more impressive to me. Yeah. So, like, there were... And, like, those moments where, like, the lights go out, the actors did not know that was going to happen. Oh, my God. So those are, like, real screams of alarm. So, like, basically, the way he described it is he... Him... When he did this, he wanted to create, like, a funhouse for people to kind of react to what was happening. So like things like the note being on the outside of the door, the duplicate note being on the outside of the door. He did they didn't know they were going to that was going to happen. When they opened the box, they didn't know what was going to be in the box. Like none of that stuff. They only had what was on cards and they only knew as much as their character would know at that point. See, what's crazy about that is that it does at I mean at times have that like escape room feel. Where yes. the way that that characters are acting about things and with each other and the way they're handling things, they're very set in that like clue gathering and analysis mindset, right? Which is fun. It's really fun to watch, but it reminded me of like you know the escape rooms when you are compiling your clues, knowing that yeah. at some point it's going to come to be something. You know? Yeah. It oh, is that's kind so of like cool. A sci-fi board, like a what is that called? Like a drawing room mystery but like sci with a sci-fi twist yeah sort of the vibe but like things like the note cards that say like okay at some point in the scene you need to make an excuse to leave oh but they don't know why they're leaving so yeah. they would just like make up a reason for why they were gonna go that's so crazy right i mean like this movie is so intricately plotted if you add on top of that that it's not scripted it's <laughs> kind of an amazing achievement that's yeah no that's it's amazing that they pulled it off. That's crazy. Right. And it's good. It's not even like, oh, they tried this really unique, awesome way of making a movie and it was okay. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry. So I totally derailed. What were we talking no, about? No, it's fine. Okay. The power went out. Yes. And everybody screamed realistically. Everybody screamed realistically because they really didn't know the power was going to be out. Um, and then they light candles and they're looking outside and they realize that every house on the, in, on the street is out of power except for one that's like two blocks away and so they're like well maybe they have a generator or something because obviously the grid is out maybe they have a generator and hugh is like well i'm gonna go over and see if they have a phone because i'm supposed to call my brother i'm supposed to tell him i'm supposed to see what's going on and everybody's doing the like maybe you should stay here you know and uh he and amir decide to go to the house and they're like well just be gone 10 minutes five minutes there five minutes back it'll be fine 
So we find out that Kevin's got a, a job in... Belgium? Yeah, something like that. And it's like a six-month job or something. And he wants her to come with him, and she's undecided. She can't make that decision on uh, whether or not she's going to go. Oh, that's what it was. When she didn't want to be the inter- un- understudy, it was because she took too long to decide if she was going to be the understudy. Right. So now she's sort of in a similar situation where she, you know, Kevin's suddenly like, I have to give them an answer soon. And she's going, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, this is probably one of the, another one of the only parts of this movie that I felt a little taken out of the movie with. Because it just seemed very um, stereotypical of things you see all the time where she just kept being, I don't know. I mean, I just need more time. I just need more time. I just need more, you know, and it just yeah. seemed like, I've heard this conversation in other movies before. Um, there is but, a payoff for it ultimately yeah <laughs> it, yeah and it was something that needed to happen i think i just watched too many movies right and right, at some right. point you're just you know everything gets recycled and reused um this is crazy to me that so little of this movie is recycled and reused and it barely had a script yeah it's wild yeah um anyway so hugh and amir come back and hugh's got a small wound on his forehead it's like openly bleeding and Amir's carrying a little metal lockbox, and they say that they went over to the house. He says something startled him, and he fell, and then he ran. And then he gets kind of at Amir, like, why did you take that? Why did you take that box? And Amir says, well, I thought I saw you put it down, so I grabbed it. And he was refusing to tell anybody what he saw in the house. He's just kind of like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fine. And this is when everybody starts doing that thing that groups do, where they all start just screaming all at the same time. <laughs> right. Everybody kind of picks a problem, and half the people are yelling at Amir for stealing this small lockbox, and half the people are yelling at Hugh to tell them what he saw. Why is he bleeding? Yeah, why is he bleeding? Um, eventually he does, and this, I, okay, so I did not call a lot of this movie, but I did call this, where it's like, oh, I bet he saw the house they're in. Oh. Went to that house. I did expect him to say that he saw them, like the, their doubles, which he doesn't say. He just says he saw the the house set up for dinner for eight people, and people kind of put it together and say, "Oh, so you saw this house?" And he's like, "I don't know. That's crazy. Like, I I don't know." Um, and then we get a scene where Lee is having Hugh choose a band aid, and she's got a cloth one or a plastic one. And she uses the cloth band aid, which is worth mentioning for later. Right. And Which also I'm, because it is the superior band-aid. It is the superior band-aid. Uh, so they have this metal lock box. They Mike picks the lock and they open it. And inside is a ping pong paddle, a photo of every person in the house with a number written on the back. Right. And this is where it turns into an escape room. <laughs> yeah. This is where <laughs> you start being like, if, if, you know, the first time I watched the movie, this was where I went, oh, okay. So what kind of horror movie is this? Is this like they're all being targeted? Except for the photo of Amir was taken that night because the background right. is inside the house and he's wearing a sweater that he only bought like that day or something. So this is when they start going, yeah, when they start going full escape room and Emily's recording the numbers and writing them in colors. And, um, oh, they went out to check when they went out to check the block, they all broke open glue, glue sticks glow sticks <laughs> of which they had a one in three choice right there are three colors red blue and green who and they has chose blue. a box of glue glow sticks it, that on its own unopened is kind of weird. and then yeah. they're like but i also have a variety pack you can have a variety of colors yeah i felt that there were a few things that was strange about mike and lee's house and yeah the the for some reason like 
backup boxes of of glow sticks. I keep trying to say glue sticks now. Yeah, I've me screwed too. us both. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Amir brings in this lockbox and neither Mike nor Lee is like, oh, that looks exactly like one we have. They're right. both just like, oh my god, that's crazy. Why did you grab that? And when they're the power goes out and they're like, do you have a generator? And they're like, I don't know. Do we have a generator? Let's go. Let's. I guess let's find the generator. And it's like, yeah. how do you not know your own house this well? Yeah, I mean, maybe it is, there's like it is... a secret hoarder room that the camera just doesn't go to, and who the fuck knows what's in there? Could be a generator, could be a lockbox. Maybe Mike's card, like Nicholas Brennan's card, didn't have the words "you have a generator" on it. So he's like, uh, <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> I know now that you know that you're like, oh, that would explain why. And maybe he's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's uh, go find out, I suppose. But it is revealed that Mike is, you know, had a drinking problem. So potentially, right. maybe he really just doesn't know. Maybe he has a problem where he gets drunk and buys things on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goes downstairs and it's just like a whole wall of lock boxes. And like, I don't know. I thought I was going to get a lot of possessions. <laughs> I thought I had a lot of valuables. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, that so stuff with Mike oh. when he's talking about the drinking. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but oh, it broke my heart. Yeah. Because it feels so autobiographical. And it's it's heartbreaking because his concern is like I mean, yeah, I I don't know. When he talks about like the version of himself when he's drinking, you really do feel like he's talking about himself, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz we know unfortunately he that Nicholas some... Brendan has some really pro- he has problems with alcohol and yeah. depression. And I really root for him. I want him. I, to, know. I want him to succeed so hard. But because when he can, you know, I feel like he is very successful when he can be. And it's like you know, alcoholism is a disease, and it's not his fault. And like the fact that he works so hard with it is like, just we love you, Xander, and we will always. So anyway, uh, Emily goes into full. Uh, escape room mode and starts recording and being like, "Well, I should write things in blue markers because we're the blue house." And um, I think I'm getting my events mixed up at this point. It's going to be hard to go through this beat by beat, but I think yeah. there's like a series of them coming and going. And there's a couple of sort of highlight moments, like the arrival of the note, they get a book, and then there's like a decision oh, yeah. to write like a blackmail letter. So they want to go to Hugh's car to get, because he has a book that his he was supposed to mail to his brother that's about physics. Mm-hmm. And this is where we we read about the cat in the box thing the like schrodinger's cat so it's a little bit more just gaining more information watching people have more conversations about the personal things that are happening um and then hugh says well i'm gonna go leave a note on the other house saying that i didn't mean to scare you i just wanted to use your phone you know Mm -hmm. and so he's writing out the note and everybody's doing the like no you shouldn't split up we need to stay here let's just stay here and I don't know. At this point, have they determined? They haven't figured out that it's them. Well, right they've, they've kind of figured out it's them because, and then like the note is on the outside of the door, so they know something hinky is happening, and it's like lending credence to this idea of what Hugh saw was real. But yeah. um, it's when they get the book and they start understanding what that they actually start understanding what's happening, and they explain to the audience basically that there's this idea of like every decision that you make there's an alternate version where the opposite decision is making. It's like this big overarching series of infinite realities. And like the thing that keeps it from these realities from touching is something called uh, 
discoherence yeah. and like something about the comet passing over has interrupted that so that for some reason all of these realities are potentially touching through whatever the through... dark zone yes yeah so then um hang on i guess i wrote it down and i haven't even like looked at it because i was trying to track when emily leaves right everybody's getting increasingly more paranoid increase and like they're finding reasons to keep leaving and you're like what the hell are you doing um and and she prevents kevin from leaving and he finally like basically there's there's this moment in the hallway where like laurie hits on him and um she confronts him about it it doesn't go that well um and he in, he basically is like, right, I'm going outside. I need to see what's happening. And so she goes with him. Oh, because there is a moment where Amir and Hugh show up and the like other people are fighting off to the side and that Mike and Amir come in and they like quietly put things in the box and leave. Oh yeah. And then take out, oh, and they take, take the their book. red glow sticks out of their jackets because yes. they're red glow stick Hugh and Amir. That yes. has, they were, so that's when it's revealed that different Hugh and Amir return to the house. And they leave with the book in their box. Yes. Right? And then everybody's like, oh, where are Hugh and Amir? I just saw them, whatever. And all of a sudden, Hugh and Amir come back, and Hugh doesn't have a Band-Aid on. And he he's has telling a plastic the same... Band-Aid, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a plastic Band-Aid. And he starts telling the same story that the other Hugh told when he first showed up. And everybody's like, no, 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 you already told this story. And he goes, no, I haven't been back yet. And that's when they realize, like, there's other versions of us walking around. And so then Kevin... Emily, Mike, and Lori leave. Because this is where they leave and they see their doubles across the street. Oh, right, right, right. Holding right, right. the red glow sticks. Yes. And that's this is the first time Emily experiences walking through the dark yeah. space, the darker whatever. And um, so they get startled. They run back and they're saying, like, oh, we saw ourselves. We saw ourselves. And so this is where it starts getting, like, I try again, I try to track the different versions and I think I have it, but it's almost not even important because it's just like everything is wrong at this point. Like nobody's right. in the right house. So in this house, Emily doesn't actually leave this house again until the very end. And Well, there was also the moment where she's outside with Kevin and she realizes the Kevin she's talking to is not, is her, not her Kevin. Um but she doesn't pass through the dark spot again until she does it on purpose right, right, at right, the right. end. Um which but yeah, that creepy scene when she goes to her car it's when they hear someone broke into Hugh's car and they think they're trying to steal their book or whatever. I don't know. Everybody, for some reason, really wants this book that has nothing to do with the comet. I'm not real sure. But um, she's trying to get a ring out of her car and then turns around and sees Kevin. And, oh, my God, that scene is so creepy. Yeah. Because <laughs> the lighting, that under-the-face lighting on Kevin yes. and how it just becomes more sinister. once, And the fact that when they both realize, they both just kind of slowly back away from each other. Right, because there's sort of, like, this ongoing thing because of Mike's paranoia that, like, some of these might be evil versions of you or versions of you that have made worse choices. And so, like, they could be someone who wants to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, they become their own worst enemies, literal. Oh, so then Mike starts drinking. He gets this idea that he's going to blackmail his other self into you know, not stealing their book or whatever by being like, all t- you know. So anyway, what that results in is finding out that Mike and Beth slept together once years ago and everybody but Hugh knew and now Hugh's screaming and um, Emily right before this had told Mike, like, we're not in the right house because she witnesses that same conversation happened between Lee and Beth about the vase that they'd already had once and she flips open the notebook and everything's written in a different color marker and stuff and so she starts realizing that she's not in the right house mike's not in the right house at this point i thought it was interesting to note that it's 
it's Emily Prime, Kevin Prime, and Lori Prime are the only three Prime characters left, yeah. and those are the three that are, you know, that weird triangle. But anyway, so she's trying to tell Mike, like, we're not in the right house, and I think we need to get back to our our house before it's too late. And Mike's like, it doesn't doesn't matter. We may as well just stay here. When even this Mike is the second blue stick Mike. This isn't even the this isn't even Mike Prime that she's talking to because right. he's switched at some point. And he goes to and you know because he goes to the house to leave his ransom note or whatever. Um, anyway, so she, I just thought it was funny that she's trying to tell him like we're in the wrong house, and he's just like I don't care, I don't care. And as soon as Hugh finds out that Mike slept with his wife, and he's like Hugh. I'm not even in the right house. This is, <laughs> that's, that's what matters more is this is not my house. And I thought that was funny because yeah. it's like, well, yeah, I mean, at that point, I think anybody would be like, wait, what do I have to defend myself? I, I'm not even supposed to be here, man. <laughs> and that's, I actually, yes, that was funny. But the, the realization that they're like, like you up until this point, you think the, the variables are, someone could be pretending to be someone they're not and come into the prime house, but to have this realization that they're no longer in the prime house and that it is so mixed up at this point that like everybody is sort of, the stakes are just so different. And you're like, Oh my God, I, this is not what I thought it was that it's I thought like was a actually one-to-one. really chilling. Yeah. Like it's not a one-to-one switch. Like and they as thought. they're figuring this out, they're like doing the math and like, it's like astronomical numbers that they would yeah. actually find their way home. And you realize that like she, by walking through that black space, she basically is never going to get back to like prime universe. Yeah. Ugh. Because then you find out that Hugh's phone isn't broken. So then Hugh who returned with plastic band aid isn't even the Hugh from, isn't even Hugh prime. No. And, um, you know, and then they go through and they talk about the object that was in the box. And so, you know, at this point, you feel like you're at Prime House, which was a ping pong paddle. But then Lee and Beth, who are of the house they're in, said it was a stapler or something. And then it's just, you know, overwhelming to think about, like, you have, like, you don't even have a one in a 60 trillion chance. Like, you just, there's no chance. You're yeah. not going back. You yeah. just have to pick one. And uh, at this point, Green Glow Stick Mike bust into the house to beat up blue glow stick too, Mike. <laughs> and then Lori freaks out because Beth keeps getting anxiety nosebleeds and bleeding on her. Oh, yeah. And this is when just chaos breaks out and Emily slips away. Right. She's because like, she's I choose decided. not to. Yeah. So she starts making a grand tour of all the houses and trying to pick one that she wants to be in, which was like a really, I mean, it was an interesting, and I think it was a really effective way to show multiple other house scenarios by showing the different objects in the boxes and the different situations inside the houses you know at one house they have two mics do you know how they did that his twin brother yes i didn't know if you knew he was a twin i only knew that because of that buffy episode right (laughs) (laughs) me too and actually and i didn't know this until recently because of this movie but his brother actually fully played xander in one of the episodes because nicholas brennan got sick oh no shit i did not know that that's yeah, so there's there's one episode where it's fully his brother. I think they like cut down on his screen time because I think if you look long enough, you can tell it's a different Xander. Uh-huh. But but basically, he fully played Xander in one episode. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but I th- yeah, when I saw two mics, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, they're the probably- twins. <laughs> That's why you have twins. <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool moment. <laughs> and then, I know. I really, I really, I enjoyed that. Um. 
Oh, and then there's a house where Kevin totally leaves Emily for Lori. Oh, and he's yeah. giving some speech where he's like, it's just been so long since we saw each other, and then we saw each other tonight, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then she comes upon this pristine version of reality where right, they the ones where they just stayed in the house <laughs> yeah like they haven't even had their power go out they haven't had any weird they're all just fine they seem to even get along better with each other than house prime because you know everybody seems more relaxed and Lori doesn't seem to be making snarky weird comments to everyone yeah and so emily who's like you know already the comment was already made once that someone else is living her life has decided like i'm gonna take this one right like for a minute when she's going through the different houses like it's a little bit of wish fulfillment like what if you could go around and look in the window of all these versions of yourself and choose the one that's the best yeah but at what cost (laughs) right because you have to murder yourself like it was almost perfect until that emily walked in yeah so she goes into the back of the house steals beth's homemade medication that's i love the way she explains it where she's like oh it's just a little bit it's of a like... whisper of ketamine <laughs> yeah i love how she tries to bury it under like it's you know the lavender root and a little bit of lavender and it's just like a whisper of ketamine and it's, you know and it's like... like the ketamine's doing the heavy lifting <laughs> okay <laughs> the rest is just for smell and flavor right like, this is this is Come just on. ketamine and perfume <laughs> but she uh sneaks into the kitchen to steal the bottle Somehow turns it into a chloroform type drug, which I I guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that much about ketamine or chloroform, but apparently they're interchangeable. Okay. Um, Follows this version of herself out to the car where she knows she's going to go look for that ring and uh, drugs herself. She should have rolled that body into the darkness. I, right? Just sacrifice it. Don't have that shit. I know. She's like, you gotta cut. I mean, I guess she is cut short because Kevin shows up, doesn't he? No, she just throws her him in the. Oh yeah, in the, in throws the, her in the trunk and and yeah, yeah. Takes her sweater because she didn't leave her house with a sweater. She is wearing the ring still, and her version of Kevin was, you know, she was like, "Oh, I wanted to go get this ring," and he's just like, "Oh, okay, cool, you know, whatever." She switches places with this Emily, goes into the house and goes to this version of Kevin, and she's like, oh, I want to get this ring, and he's like, oh, that was a really good day. And she's like, it was a good day. So you can see her being like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is this is the house I want to be in. This is prime. Yeah. So she, uh, and everything, you know, obviously is not going to work out that way, because we still have, like, 25 minutes of movie left, um, because the version of Emily that exists in this reality somehow, like, drags her, dragged drugged body back into the house and Emily Prime sees her coming in through the door and going into the bathroom. So she follows her, tries to beat her to death with a piece of toilet, and then in probably like the worst crime move ever, just leaves her body in the bathtub. Like yeah. no one's going to You're not go a very in good there. criminal. <laughs> She's not the best. I mean, I know at that point if you've got the body in the bathroom, like what do you do with it? Because it's not like you can drag it back out past everybody, but you shouldn't have let the body come back into the house in the first place. You right. roll drag... it into the dark. Roll right? it into the dark. Right. <laughs> let the she roulette didn't... take it from there. For as much planning as she did in this movie, this was like the one part where it was like, I think maybe she was just really tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's I just... a long night. It is to a be lot. Fair. A lot happened <laughs> that night. <laughs> A lot of puzzle solving. You know. That was like a week's worth of thinking for me in one evening right? that she had to do. So, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, anyway, so she presumably murders this Emily, loses her ring, it falls off under the toilet, so she takes the current, uh, I don't know, Emily Beta? Sure, let's go Emily Beta. Like Emily Beta's ring so that she has one, leaves the bathroom, and faints. So she wakes up the next morning. Um, Emily goes to the bathroom to be like, oh my god, is that body still in here? Because I did not do a good job last night. And the door opens and Beth comes out and she's just showered and she's like, oh, I'm so glad you're feeling better, blah blah blah. So obviously there wasn't a body in the bathtub when she went in there. And uh-huh. Emily's feeling okay, maybe this is going to be okay, you know? And she goes outside to her car and she finds Kevin and he's just, you know, oh, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And then Kevin's phone rings and he goes, oh, that's weird. You're calling me. And then, like, it's just such a good ending, I feel. Mm Because he answers and you see him listening and then he just looks at her and she just looks back at him like, Looking guilty as fuck, too. Yep. Like, you gotta play it off a little bit better. If you're gonna murder your doppelganger, put your game face on. But she seemed, like, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I almost read in her face, like, the corner dog look, where it's like, look, I realize I did something, but I'm keeping this. Right. So, like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm a put up a fight if you corner me. Yeah, she just, like, had this true. savage look on her face, like, I, I, this is mine now. Right, well, I mean, because originally her problem is, like, indecisive. Mm-hmm. and then when she finally makes the decision it's like the decision to murder <laughs> she like, couldn't decide whether or not she wanted to move with her boyfriend for six months or even at one point he was like maybe just do three you can just do three and live in amsterdam or whatever it was but then when she's like you know but the first real decision i made was to murder another version of me yeah that's intense yeah that's a jump it's <laughs> <laughs> a big jump <laughs> yes it is Oh, so I think it's fair to say you like this movie? I really enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah. And even after watch, you know, having watched it several times and obviously I know what's happening, I still enjoy watching it happen. Mhm. I I saw it once before and I thought I remembered it, but as I watched it, I realized I didn't remember it at all. Really? So, yeah, so it was actually kind of great cuz I got to sort of watch the mystery unfold again. Like I had in my mind, I thought it was a time thing. So, like, they were, like, 15... It was, like, in 15-minute intervals or something. I don't know where I came up with this. But I thought it was a time thing. So, I I kept waiting for that realization. And so, when it started going in different ways, I was like, oh, wait, I don't remember this movie. Oh, well, that's kind of... I kind of am happy then because, yeah. you know, I feel like more often than not, when it's my pick, it's a movie you've already seen. But, you know... You're a good sport about it, but it's yeah. not often that I pick a movie that you haven't seen before, and so I feel like this is at least a half point. You had something to do with physics, but I had, I had it wrong. So it was actually kind of it was it was kind of like a first watch again, and I didn't actually remember how it ended. Even I realized, so it was kind of like a first watch, to be honest. Oh, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, no, and I really enjoyed it the second time through. I mean, anytime you have like a mystery, you have dinner party like you said and physics fuckery oh i am in yes so there's yeah so many elements in this movie that i love and they're all together yeah yeah um and like just also the way the movie is made i think is you know like um at first i was a little nervous because it's mostly handheld shots Mm -hmm. i think it might be all handheld and it's very very shaky in those early scenes when we're like kind of having the like kind of the energy of people like getting there like you know how when you first get somewhere there is sort of that sort of like frenetic energy of like oh hi hi hi, hi. yeah and the 
the the camera work really mimics that and i was like oh god uh oh we're in for something but i do feel like it calms down and like some of that frenetic camera work um like settles a bit um mm-hmm. but it like still feels very claustrophobic because we're almost exclusively in one room for almost the entire movie but what's interesting is because it's like a party and there's like all these multiple characters going on and like everybody is doing sort of their own thing a lot of the time instead of just being super focused on like the story that's unfolding, like the very carefully crafted um, narrative that's being folded. They all kind of have their own assignments of things to do. What ends up happening is that like people disappear in and out of the room and out of out of the scene like naturally like they would at a party mm-hmm. but in this which is something that's totally benign in real life right. right but like you know moving from room to room is not a big deal however in this movie it takes on this sinister quality because you never know when someone comes out of leaves the room who is going to come back yeah and like it adds tension to the mystery because we never know who we're really dealing with and there's like this almost dreamlike feeling of like people just sort of slipping away like every time you turn your back somebody else is finding an excuse to leave even though you know that every time they do like it actually is creating like it's it's increasing the stakes yeah the scene when mike is trying to tell kevin about his ransom note plan right and kevin's like no don't go don't go and Right before Mike leaves, he's, like, walking away, and Kevin follows him. And I still can't figure out if Kevin went with him or not. So then I can't figure out if the Kevin after that is still the Kevin Prime or not. Because well, you never really was, know. Was he ping pong or was he, um... He was that's ping how pong. you know. Okay, so he is Kevin Prime. That's how you know is at when they ask that question. I know this because the oh, director no, 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 said no. it. Oh, no, no, no. Um, sorry. When they are saying what they found in the box and it's Emily who says ping pong paddle, it doesn't show him, like, agree or not. He just, oh, but well, he doesn't say know. anything else. Then we don't know. Yeah. Because that's how you can tell who everybody is, is in that that particular thing. That, and I read that in an interview with the director. That's why I know. Otherwise, I would not. Because <laughs> there's That just was so the much. one that made me realize, like, oh, my God. Because up until then, I thought, like, oh, well, at least this Lee and Beth is still prime. But then when they get there and they say it was the whatever it was, the... The yeah. oven mitt. That's what it was. They had the oven mitt. And I was like, oh, my God, she's not even in her house. <laughs> but you're right. Like, that idea of people coming and going is so natural for a party that in the beginning you don't even think about tracking people. And it's right. not until, like, my third watch or something that I was like, you got to keep your eye on these folks because, you, yeah, you're right. You don't know who's coming back. And you know that feeling you have in a dream where you just, like, can't hold on to things? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it kind of gave me that feeling. Like, every time you turned your back from one door, somebody's slipping out another one. Yeah. And, like, or- aggressively trying to get out of doors, even though, like, you know as the audience member, like, this is what you don't want to do. Like, yeah. ugh. Yeah. So that just, like, increased the tension in a way that I appreciated. Also, just this whole theme of, like, alternate versions of your life is very resonant. I'm uh, currently staring down the barrel of a very big birthday. So (laughs) I'm thinking a lot about life choices. And so like, I definitely can identify with these sort of like white people in the Bay Area. (laughs) You know, like these characters are all very like, I mean, I think you could, you are, they're arguably very successful and very privileged. They're like, white upper class people who can li- afford to live in the bay area yeah and like lee is like some sort of 
like upper management at Skype. Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I did appreciate that there was like tech stuff in this. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, like, cause that, I mean, they're in the fucking mix. Like you go to a dinner party, somebody works in tech. Oh yeah. You know, in the Bay Area, that's just how it is. Um, but like you get this sense that like under this veneer is like a real deep level of dissatisfaction with their life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a pretty common thing with people of a certain age and privilege. And um, I kind of like how this movie takes that and turns it on its head. Like um, these ideas, like it feels like a dramatic idea, right? Like it takes this idea of like choices that are unmade and paths that are untaken would be something that you could like build a really powerful drama around. But instead it like, takes that idea and makes it really kind of terrifying yeah and like it takes all of the like insecurities and like small petty personal failures and selfishness that maybe made them make the choices that they did down the road which like we all as flawed human have but it takes those and puts them in a situation where there's like dialed up and makes that like it turns it into paranoia and ultimately violence um so yeah so like I like that sort of idea of taking just sort of this very benign suburban life and like twisting it in a way to show like sort of the how it can quickly become sinister is always really Mm -hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I and I like I do. So actually I do this thing sometimes when I'm having like if I had a bad day or something, I I make myself feel better by going. But don't worry, because there is a version of you who owns an island. <laughs> is that right? It's Yeah, that's how I make myself feel better. I'm like, there's a version of you who married a professional athlete. <laughs> there's a version of you who just wrote all the books in the world. It's great. So that's how I make myself feel better is think about the other versions of me. And then I'm like, you know, there's con- conversely, there's also probably a version of me who's like addicted to meth and homeless. So I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> You're like, I'm in the top like, 70 percent that yeah. works right you know i'll take that's a it good point that's actually I'll, a good point i'll take it oh but i really wish i was the version that owned an island <laughs> i do too so if that miller's comet ever shows up and i guess i'll just start charging through that black space and just maybe coming out on the end where i'm on an can island I, you gotta take me with you though so that we can both find the 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 optimum version and it's really just whichever one of us we first reach is on an island because then we can help right. the other, you know? Exactly. So it's like, we just need to find a version of one of us who owns an island. <laughs> I'm just for some reason picturing us like Mary Poppins style with arms full of cats and bags and being like, and jump. Uh, not this one. Right. Okay, and Ooh. jump. Ooh, we have a dog in this one? No, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so overall feelings of this movie. I give this massive thumbs up. I think this is a movie that easily could have slipped below the radar because it went straight to video on demand. So this is one of those hidden gems that we're all searching for. If you have not seen it and you have Prime, I say watch this. How about you? I agree. I definitely, I would even say if you don't have Prime, it's worth the two ninety nine or whatever it is to rent it because it's so good. It's really, really good. And especially since learning what you were talking about, the way it was made. Right. It's so crazy that this is what came of that process. It's so amazing. So 
other just kind of random details from that same thing apparently like they did a lot of like little trickery things like if you go back and watch it you if you pay attention to things like the way mike's shirt is buttoned you can tell when he's different versions based on how his (gasps) shirt is buttoned really and and like um when they're doing the thing where she's realizing that they're the the stuff is written in the wrong color if you look at the table there's actually an oven mitt on the table And the characters and the actors did not notice it had been added there when they had left. Like, while they were gone, they quickly put one on the table and they didn't notice it was there. Oh, my God. Yes. So, so the- just like in the movie when they didn't realize, like, just like the characters didn't realize it was there. Yeah. The people didn't. Oh, my God. Apparently that's so cool. a lot of that. So, like, they, the running joke on this, on between him and the other person who knew what was happening was that this movie has 150 continuity errors and 149 of them were on purpose so so like the more you watch this like the more you may pick up on like all the little easter eggs of things like the actors didn't understand why they would make these subtle changes they're like what are why why does this matter why do i need to change the way i'm buttoned because they didn't understand what was happening in the movie fully yet but it was like important things that were like on the cards like okay you have to button your shirt this way or whatever crazy Mm -hmm. all right Mars, the time has come. Whilst watching Coherence, what beverage should you be partaking in? Um, And should it have a whisper of ketamine in it? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Um, I mean, I think your herbals could have a whisper of ketamine, but I don't think you should be adding ketamine to your alcohol. No, probably not. Um, So I don't have the best experience with clear whiskeys but i think this is a clear whiskey movie okay um and i don't know something about just it looks like gin it looks like vodka it looks like some tequilas it but it's a whiskey is my theme it's interchangeable so like maybe like a like a rye whiskey. What is the one that you guys tasted in the moonshine video? There was like a Jack oh, Daniels yeah. rye whiskey that was like, uh, I can't remember what it oh, was. Oh, maybe it should be moonshine because it was. <laughs> it should be moonshine. You're <laughs> it should right. be a clear, a clear moonshine that visually you can't tell is not vodka or gin or silver tequila. Like you never know when you go to take a drink of it, which version you're mm-hmm. going to get, which, yeah, I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Plus, you're going to want to get wasted. <laughs> yeah. And forget which universe you're from. <laughs> yeah, you're going to drink so much, you won't even know which one you are. Awesome. Okay, so we don't have any feedback this week, but if you want to get in touch with us, there's lots and lots of ways that you can do that. You can email us at rachelzombiegirls.com, or you can find us on Facebook. We even have a Twitter, I think, somewhere, or... Yeah, those are probably the best ways to do it. And if you're enjoying the show, do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. It actually does really help us out and it makes us feel good. So the next episode, are you ready? So one of our listeners recommended this and it meant that I found that you have never seen it. So we need to rectify this. Um, Thank you, Andrew uh, Roder, who left this on our Facebook a few weeks ago. We are going to be reviewing a little movie called The Gate. Yes! Okay, I'm very excited about this. I hope it holds... I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I hope it holds up, but I think it will. <laughs> I am very excited. Since you t- since the last time you brought it up, and I, I haven't seen it, but you kind of gave me a little bit of a synopsis of what it's about, and I'm so excited to watch this movie. I think... I mean, it's kind of one of those types of movies that we both like, and I remember it being very creepy especially for a kid oh okay Okay. i'm really excited i I don't want you 
I don't want you to be afraid that you've overhyped okay, it. Okay, good. I, I'm going into it free of judgment. Okay, good. So next episode, folks, if you are playing along, it's time to revisit or for the watch for the first time, The Gate, starring a very, very young Stephen Dorff. <laughs> Seriously, he is a baby in this. I think he's probably nine. He's so cute and little. Wow. I know. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think I finally got to talk about coherence. Do you I feel... feel like you got it off your chest? You feel good? <sighs> I, I do. I do. That was cathartic. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. That's a good movie. Yeah. All I'm right. Glad, I'm glad that it was surprise. You've kind of never seen this experience for you. It, yeah. I mean, like when you said it, I remember I liked it. So I was like, sure, I'll totally revisit that. And then to kind of have the surprise of being like, oh. My memory sucks. I don't remember this movie <laughs> at all. Was was a total bonus. All right. Take us out, Marzi. Thanks for coming back. Watch The Gate. And then we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And I'm so excited. <laughs> Bye, buddy. Bye. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first let me ask: Are you gonna? Are you down with getting like a, a trial of? Um... Oh yeah, okay, shutter cool. or whatever. Okay. I don't want to put you on the spot, so that's I want to double check. Well, I mean, I'm assuming it's not like 150 dollars a month, right? No, I think it's probably. I might just have to put like a key lock on Drunk Mars's Groupon account, but you know. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> that enough. needs to happen anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. But, oh. So I'm thinking this is the winter. The heater is not coming on until he snuggles with me. <laughs> <laughs> I will freeze some fucking love out of him. I am not That is too a proud. Game of Thrones move right there. <laughs> I am the Cersei of snuggles, okay? <laughs> bend the knee, Fry! Yes, bend the knee!